0: Episode 15 of Defenders of the Bank with Philly and...
1: The Scarf.
0: The Scarf. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Back from Peru. Scarfy, welcome back, buddy. We missed you.
1: Oh, man. Can I tell you how beautiful Peru is? It was absolutely fantastic. There for about 10 days with a good dozen and a half of my middle schoolers. We had a wonderful time, but I am so happy to be back in beautiful Los Angeles, California, here at Phila Monster Studios in lovely Burbank. And it is time for Episode 15.
0: There's a lot of names we thought we could call this episode. We thought we'd call it The Blackout in San Jose. We thought about calling it, you'll never be San Francisco. We thought about calling it San Angeles. But the one that I want to settle on is the pillage in Smurf Village. That is what we are calling episode 15. And happy April Fool's Day to everybody. If you haven't played a prank on anyone yet, you have a couple more hours of the day to do so. So, again, welcome back, Scarf. So excited you're here, buddy. We have so much to talk about today.
1: Yeah, happy April Fools. I hear Carlos Vela's already been sent to Club America, Manchester City, Manchester United. I think there's even an Ajax trade they were talking about too. So, happy April Fools everybody. We have Carlos Vela and those other teams don't.
0: As far as today, again, we have a lot to discuss. We'll highlight the birthdays. We're going to highlight Scarfy segment this day in LAFC history. Woo. We're going to talk about the butt kicking in San Jose. We're going to have our wait what? what moment of the day? Then that was a tough one to figure out, especially with all the stuff that happened in San Jose. We're going to talk about our watch party, LAFC, officially down in Orange County. I know that's exciting for a lot of you fans out there. We want to highlight a very special veteran supporters group that is in the works. A little bit of news on that. Nothing's official as of yet, but we want to highlight what's in the works. We're going to talk about Scarf's adventures in Peru. Woo! I'm dying to know how you hiked Machu Picchu and managed to maintain all of those middle schoolers in orderly conduct. Very slowly. And of course, we are going to plug in a very special Defenders of the Bank tailgate that we are going to be hosting on April 21st for the Seattle tailgate. So without further ado, episode 15 of Defenders Defenders of the the Bank. Bank. All right. So let's talk about our birthdays really quickly. Just a couple of athletic birthdays here on April Fool's Day. I love the wrestling. I can only imagine how many times I've said that. There's been a lot of thirty-seven
1: and a half. 37
0: and a half. Yeah, and speaking of that, we're going to round that up to 38. And by 38, that's Randy Orton's birthday. Randy Orton turns 38 today. Yeah, the Viper... The master of the RKO turns 38 today, but that's not the only person. Scarfy, I know there's somebody on this list or some bodies on this list that you wanted to highlight.
1: Yeah, they're a couple years younger than I am, but I watched them play in high school at Harvard Westlake here in beautiful, sunny Southern California. The Lopez brothers, Brooke and Robin Lopez. Of course, Brooke, the former Laker, and Robin, the current caveman. That's right, Brooke and Robin <laughs> Lopez. Happy 30th birthday, I believe, Who's to older? Brooke and Robin Lopez. I actually don't know.
0: <laughs> I stumped the scarf. <laughs> Welcome back, buddy. Hey, good to be back. Happy birthday to Sean Taylor. Rest in peace, my man. Scarf, what happened to Sean Taylor?
1: Yeah, he was shot by intruders in his home. The guy who shot him, given 57 years in prison, a life gone far too soon, an incredible NFL talent for the Washington Redskins. Rest in peace, and happy birthday to Sean Taylor.
0: Happy birthday, Sean Taylor. Happy 54th to Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson, the one-time New York Nick. And Indiana Pacer, I liked him so much better when he was on the Knicks. But happy 54th birthday to Mark Jackson. And I got a football birthday for any of you guys out there, or gals for that matter, who went to the University of Michigan. Happy birthday to the legendary head coach of the Michigan Wolverines, Bo Schembechler, would have turned 90 years old today. And I have one more birthday that I want to highlight It hasn't happened yet. It happens tomorrow on April the 2nd. Happy 16th birthday to Ethan McNook. Ethan is Ken, the Falconer's grandson. He turns 16 today. He's a lovely young man. He will be... The Ken of the future. Happy birthday, buddy. I hope you have an amazing day, an amazing weekend plan, and we're looking forward to seeing you at the bank the next game.
1: That's right. And you guys know how I bring it. I love the nerdy birthdays. So born in 742. That's right. The first Holy Emperor Charlemagne. Happy birthday to Charlemagne. Almost 1,000 300 years ago. And of course, Hans Christian Andersen. If you've ever seen The Little Mermaid or read about the ugly duckling, Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tales. Born 1805. Obi Wan Kenobi. Born in 1914. Today, happy birthday to Alec Guinness, the original Obi Wan Kenobi. And if you need some sexual healing, today is the day. Happy birthday, Marvin Gaye, 1939. And, of course, lastly, we keep it L.A.-oriented as much as we can. And, of course, this guy was a fabric of the L.A. news scene for quite a while. Happy birthday, unfortunately, he passed a few years ago to Rodney King, Born in 1965. There's your LA connection. So happy birthday to all of those people from Philly and the Scarf.
0: Yeah. And before we move in a Scarf segment this day in LAFC history, I just wanted to recognize I mean, we talked about birthdays these past couple of minutes, but I obviously wanted to shout something out. I mean, Nipsey Hussle, a Los Angeles favorite, unfortunately was gunned down in front of his store. Yesterday, he was 33 years old and we at Defenders of the Bank, we want to recognize him. I mean, he was a pillar of the community. He really tried to bring investments back into the neighborhood where he grew up and it's quite a sad and tragic situation. Nipsey Hussle, you, you were a heck of a rapper, a heck of an entrepreneur, and I didn't want to go without recognizing you today. So just a you know, quick moment of silence for our dearly departed.
1: Yeah, and the crazy thing today is a few people were injured at his memorial service today, too. I mean, I just don't understand what's going on. Nipsey Hussle, an absolute bedrock in the rap community here in Los Angeles, especially in the Crenshaw area. I mean, this guy was born, raised, lived, and breathed everything about the L.A. scene. So, you know, a big loss today. Uh, Rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle.
0: And now let's transition into this day in LAFC history. Take it away, Scarfy.
1: Yeah, you know, we were looking up and down the internet and not a whole lot had happened on April 1st before 2019. But this date in LAFC history, certainly significant as April 1st, 2019. That's right, today in LAFC history, Carlos Vela wins his second MLS player of the week this season already. This guy already the front runner for the MVP. Carlos Vela, in my opinion, the best player in major league soccer. A hat trick to go along with an assist in the thrashing that we will talk about in just a little bit of the San Jose Quakes. So Carlos Vela named MLS player of the week today, April 1st, 2019. That has been your this day in LAFC history.
0: And you know what? I forgot. I wanted to give one more birthday shout out. It was the other day, but happy 1 year anniversary to Pride Republic. I you guys posted it on Instagram. I wanted to highlight you guys. Dexter, shout out to you, buddy. We'd love to get you on the podcast. If you are listening to this right now, please DM us. We'd love to have you on the show. So, let's get into it. I called it The Pillage of Smurf Village. Let's chat about the massacre in San Jose. Now, The 3252 represented hard at Avaya Stadium. Now, speaking to a couple of those guys on Wednesday at the food drive where we took a bunch of the canned goods to the midnight missions, there were six buses that were packed full of supporters group members. They left L.A. at 2 a.m. Friday night going into Saturday morning, and they headed into San Jose. Now, that's just six buses. There were plenty of people that also flied out for that game. There was at least... A thousand people in Smurf Village, and what a sight it was out of the eighteen thousand that settled in that stadium, even though we brought a thousand, we basically took that sucker over. What do you think, scarf?
1: Yeah, I think my favorite part the if you want to call them the supporters group of the San Jose quakes they're about sixty five strong out there in mm-hmm. avaya stadium. They apparently got the word that the 3252 were going to be silent for the first four minutes of the game and come roaring in. So what they did in the stadium was they actually stopped the clock at three minutes and 30 seconds on the electric ribbons around the stadium so that the LAFC fans, the 3252, could not see what time it was to try and disrupt them, but oh My goodness, it was all you could hear on the broadcast. It was all you could hear the announcers talk about. The 3252 absolutely took over that stadium. And I have to say, after the game, one of the iconic photos, I think, in LAFC history was Stephen Betashore holding up the 3252 scarf, facing the incredible almost 1,100 fans that gathered. They spilled over not into the section next to the supporters group section, but also into the section next to the section next to the supporters group section. It was an incredible atmosphere. I wish I could have been there. Of course, I was in Peru, but I wish I could have been there to hear and feel and see the power that is the 3252 in San Jose.
0: No doubts. We weren't there. We were at that watch party in Orange County at the Slide Bar in Fullerton. More on that later. We had our own little party there, but into the game. Look, LAFC entered the match undefeated First place in the West with 10 points behind a 3-0-1 record. We were facing the least best of the West, the San Jose Earthquakes, with a league worst, zero points with a 0-3-0 record in addition to a minus seven goal differential.
1: Yeah, that's not very good.
0: We certainly padded that minus seven goal differential. Now, the last time these two met during the regular season, it was at the bank on September 22nd. LAFC won that encounter, powered by a two-goal brace by Walker Zimmerman. But the last time we were in San Jose... What an absolutely classic match. Joao Matinho with the game winner in the 90-plus seventh minute that came from a Dio goal that tied it in the 90th minute. Joao, we miss you, man. You're doing really well on Orlando, and we have yet to see Mohamed el Menir. More on that at some point later. But what a nail-biter, and what an incredible game that was. And I'm sure you're wondering, no, that wasn't the last time that we played San Jose. We played them in a preseason exhibition at the bank, and, and San Jose won. Well... I'm leaving that out because it simply doesn't matter. It was preseason. I don't care. Now, as far as the injury report is concerned, we had a couple of players out on this game. Scarf, do you want to highlight who was out?
1: Yeah, you know, we're going to talk about the injury in just a minute, but the incredible vanishing man that is Andre Horta, our third DP I believe he's only played in one game this season so far. I'm still waiting for him to make an impact on our season. He was out with a right quad strain. Alejandro Guido wound up not playing with a right quad strain as well. He came into the match questionable. And of course, the word that has been on all of the injury bug's lips, it is a soleus injury. Both of these players, both Fito Zelaya and Lee Wynn, with a right soleus injury. And, you know, the soleus, it's not something that I had heard of before this season, but apparently it has to do with flexion of your foot. Uh, I, I don't know a whole lot about a soleus injury, but it sounds like something that Ron Burgundy made up. And unfortunately, it seems to be contagious Fito suffering the soleus injury. It seems like he suffered it during the transfer window, right before he came into LAFC. And now, unfortunately, Lee Wynn has been bit by that soleus bug as well. You know, I thought we would miss the crisp passing in the interior of Lee Wynn a lot more than we did. But, you know, I think it's more of a case of San Jose just not being any good. But Lee Wynn, Fito Zelaya, Andre Horta, and Alejandro Guido all out. But, The good part about that Philly is that we also got a lot of players back from international play.
0: Yeah, we had Christian Ramirez who didn't get any playing time with the U.S. men's national team. What a waste that was. That boy deserved some playing time. Mark Anthony K came back. He got in the stat line with Team Canada. Peter Lee Vassell was back. We were at that type of a roster, and he's been playing so well, Mark Anthony K. I got to tell you, he had so many through balls. He was such a great player, and having him in the game and witnessing his play really made me realize, really made me realize, really made <laughs> us realize how important of a player he is. Now, San Jose was out with somebody as well. Kevin Partita tore his ACL, but that happened back in July. Other than that, they were at full strength. Now, San Jose came into this game with only two goals in three games. They have a new manager, Matias Almeida. This guy is a legend. He's an Argentinian international player who played in two World Cups. He played at River Plate as well as he played at multiple teams in Italy, including the dominant Inter Milan. Well, the one-time dominant Inter Milan. It's really Juventus that's the dominant one. but as a manager, this guy has shown that he can turn teams around. He did it with his former club, River Plate. He brought them back to the 1st Division. He did it with Banfield, winning the Argentinian 2nd Division and bringing them back to promotion. And at Chivas, he awoke the Giants, winning the Copa MX in 2015. 2016, he wins the Supercopa MX, qualifying for... I'm going to butcher this. Qualifying for the Libertadores. Scar, help me out here.
1: Libertadores.
0: Thank you. For the first time that Chivas had done that since 2012, he led Chivas in 2017 to their fourth Copa MX title. This guy has a history of turning teams around, and San Jose figured that he could be the one to do it. But look, when you get a new coach, you get a new system. way he runs his formation, he runs a 4-1, 4-1 lineup. This team basically relies on a man-to-man type of situation. All these players need to be in their peak physical fitness. It's going to take some time for them to adapt, but fortunately for us, it was a difficult time adapting. We crushed them. Yeah,
1: you know, I think one of the things we were looking at going into the game, we did not want to have history made against us. Of course, Chris Wondolowski, one of the all-time MLS greats, just one goal away from tying Landon Donovan and another goal, obviously, from passing him. So we wanted to keep Wando off the scorebooks. But, you know, the other thing that I think we were looking at, too— is you mentioned it, and and I know it didn't really count in in our eyes, but that three nothing beatdown, we saw the debut of Nico Hamalainen in that game. By the way, as an LAFC player for that preseason game, of course that was one where I was actually at the game along with about seven other fans just watching outside the stadium so we couldn't see too much there for one half of the field but San Jose really bullied us they kind of threw us around in that game beat us pretty badly 3 nothing. and I think that left a bad taste in our mouths and I think what we're seeing is an early candidate for a team to not only win the supporters shield but to win the entire MLS Cup LAFC came out on fire you know we came out in our our 4231 form which was way different than the 433 that we had been playing i think again that was a counter to what we saw in preseason because to be perfectly honest they manhandled us in preseason so what you see again is bob the builder bob the tinkerer Bob, the coaching legend, making all the right moves there to switch us up into a 4-2-3-1 formation back from the 4-3-3. And an incredible starting lineup. I mean, we've talked about Tyler Miller with his first clean sheet of the season. Had to make a couple of saves to do it. And, of course, on the back line, Jordan Harvey, Eddie Segura, Walker Zimmerman, Diego Rossi, Mark Anthony Kay, Edward Atuesta, who a lot of people on the insider circles are quietly penciling him in for an MVP race. I know he doesn't put up the numbers that Carlos Vela does, and we'll talk a whole lot about Carlos Vela in a minute. But if you talk to a lot of MLS insiders out there, it's the play of Eddie Segura and Edward Atuesta that have really catapulted this LAFC team and taking their back line to a new level, taking their interior passing to a new level. And then the starting lineup finished off with Diego Rossi, Latif Blessing, Dio, and of course the great Carlos Vela.
0: Now this was a game in which if you made it out late to your watch party, or if you went to get a beer, or you went to use the bathroom, chances are that you missed something spectacular early. We almost struck on the board early. In the fifth minute, Diego Rossi breaks Free. He shoots a right-footed shot from the center box, which got saved by Vega. That was a statement. Incredible right save there. Man. Incredible, Incredible save. save. It was a statement, though. About a minute later, Kay had a header that was assisted by Betashore that was sh- also saved by Vega. We put Vega on notice right away. But Mark Anthony Kay struck in a different manner. About two minutes after that, in the eighth minute, his through ball that was swung on and missed by Vega, set Carlos Vela up with a walk-in goal in the eighth minute. And that really was a statement of a goal, wouldn't you say, Scarf?
1: Yeah, one of my favorite football terms, and football by, of course, football, I mean soccer, one of my favorite football terms is the term howler. And a howler is when a goalie commits an error so terrible That all 18,000 fans, minus the 1,100 that were the 3,252, howl in amazement at how terrible of a play. The goalie could make. And certainly that one with a swing and a miss reminded me of Jay Bruce for much of the season last year for the Mets. (laughs) Shame, shame, shame. The walk in goal. What I love is Carlos Vela knew he had a defender trailing him close behind, and he still just tapped that ball in on a walk in there. Beautiful first goal by Carlos Vela. You know, he could have just rifled it into the back of the net when he wanted to, but he made a little bit of a statement there. Just walking that goal in on an absolute howler by the San Jose goalie vega
0: yeah and he looked so good especially with his initial two saves and that third whiff i mean dude it's like he played on the 62 mets with the kind of antics that he had <laughs> absolutely horrendous a serious wall of shame situation if espn had their top 10 blunders that has to be number one i dude you and i could have made that save it was a very textbook type save, but I don't care. I'm glad that we scored that early on them, so that puts us up one nothing. It embarrasses the heck out of the San Jose Earthquakes, and even shortly after that, Mark Anthony K had an assist to Latif. Latif almost had a shot, but it was blocked by Vega. He was tested. We pelted him quite well, progressing right along within the game. I talked about him earlier. The Beast Edward Atuesta, who I'm going to say is the candidate for the most improved player this guy is amazing he threaded the needle with a beautifully set up pass to steven betashore who punched in his first goal of the season and just like that lafc to san jose nil
1: yeah one of those things i love watching Stephen Betashore play the game. This is a guy who has been a long, long, long-time MLS veteran, and he finds a way to contribute every single game. And, of course, the goals coming a little bit fewer and far between as Stephen Betashore winds his career up. He's, again, a long-time MLS veteran, but it's so great to see such a good dude put one in the back of the net off a beautiful pass by Edward Atuesta. And we saw Carlos Vela again in the 36th minute. He put a pass on the money to Eddie Segura. That shot blocked. The San Jose defense was doing all that they could, but they were playing on their back heels. I mean, it was rough to watch that game. It was just pelting after pelting after pelting from LAFC. I
0: don't think it was rough to watch. I was highly entertained. I just know that if I would have gone to get another beer or – to the bathroom that I would have missed some things. One other thing I want to note about Stephen Betashore, I forgot the name of the gentleman who was at the LAFC watch party with me. He was wearing a Anaheim Angels hat. Yeah, we can boom for that fact alone, but leave it to a defenseman to score a goal and then slide as if he was making a tackle. I thought that was a pretty funny statement. But yeah, Stephen betashore gets on the board. I just wanted to mention that cuz I thought it was kind of funny. Now, San Jose, we talked about Chris Wondolowski being an individual who was a real threat, but their other, I guess you could call it a shining light in this absolutely abysmal season was Christian Espinosa, was currently on loan from Villarreal. In the 41st minute, he really had San Jose's only real attempt on goal, and, I mean, he missed it and whatnot, but he is the only other player that made any kind of an impact on the game. But shortly after that 41st minute, Carlito in the 45th plus three minute scored off an assist by Diego Rossi, the guy who scored the first goal against, against the, the Sounders. Sounders. Yeah, yeah, yeah that like was, that, three nothing. I mean, an
1: absolutely beautiful pass by Diego Rossi. Vela, of course, streaking through the center of the pitch on an absolute perfect pass from Diego Rossi. Put it in the back of the net. You know, what I think we saw was that the San Jose defense just got lazy there towards the end of, of the half. You know, that was something that we would see with LAFC time and time again last year, especially the last five, ten minutes of a game where our defense would let down a little bit, all of a sudden we'd let in a goal, sometimes two. And I think that was the real backbreaker when Carlos scores that goal to make it 3 nothing going into the half, you just saw the air let out of Avaya Stadium unless you were one of the 1,100 as part of the cheering section for LAFC, the 3252.
0: It was such a textbook setup. I mean, it really began with Jordan Harvey, who lobbed the ball up, which got headed by Dio. To a charging Diego Rossi, I mean, this is the type of video that any coach out there worth their weight in salt should show their young and upcoming players as to how to score a goal on a quick offensive transition. It was so beautiful. But Dio almost had a situation where he had a header that was set it up by Vela that, again, got blocked by Vega in the 45th 4th minute. We really attacked San Jose. We ended the half 3-0. And, you know, you figure at this point, San Jose is walking into the game completely shell-shocked. Other than the 32-52, you couldn't hear a sound. And even if you could, the 32-52 would have drowned it out. Those guys clearly brought the ruckus, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, again, we've talked about how incredible the atmosphere was. And it, it took all the air out of the game. After halftime, LAFC came out, absolutely took over the first 20 minutes or so. Of the second half, of course, we had a goal of the week candidate, that curler with the left foot that we have seen time and time again by the great Carlos Vela. Of course, that gave Carlos Vela his first hat trick in LAFC history. Dio got one last season. Carlos Vela now gets one this season in the 66th minute. Diego Rossi comes in, scores in the 68th minute. Of course, who assisted on that goal, Philly?
0: Carlos Vela.
1: That's right. We saw Christian Ramirez come in, Nico Hamalainen come in, Peter Lee Vassal come in. It was just one of those things where after, after the three goals, I think we took the heart out from San Jose, and then we came out and scored two quick ones there to open the second half, and that was all she wrote.
0: Look, it could have been 8-0. We missed a couple of really good chances, but 5-0 was a really good win. It was a statement win. We clearly showed why we were the best team in the West Coast, if not the best team in the MLS. Of course we're the best team in the MLS. We're winning on that supporter shield at this point. But with all the stats that occurred, I would say my favorite stat truly was the number of times the camera zoomed in on San Jose manager Matias Almeida. He put his head in his hands, buried them on multiple occasions. A couple of times, I would say, and that was really my favorite stat of the game. It became comical at one point. I think I saw more of that... Then we saw Earthquakes shot on goal.
1: Yeah, you know, my favorite stat of the game, if you were watching on Twitter or Instagram or any of the social media outlets, my favorite stat of the game were the number of San Jose Earthquakes fans that were converted to being LAFC fans by the end of the game. I know there were three in particular who were pretty loud San Jose Quakes fans who at the end of the game were doing the jump for LA Football Club cheer with the LAFC fans. So congrats to the 3252 who traveled up to beautiful San Jose, California, and started to really convert those San Jose Quakes fans. We're going to hear a little bit more about them in our Wait What what segment later, but I think that was my favorite side of the game is how many San Jose Quakes fans finally came around to their senses and started following the Black and Gold.
0: Yeah, and as far as the stat line is concerned, we're going to talk about that. LAFC 5, San Jose 0. As far as possession is concerned, believe it or not, San Jose dominated the possession. I'm not going to say dominated. It was actually fairly even. But they had 52% of the possession in their hands with LAFC at 48%. They had six shots on goal with two on target. LAFC, this is where the domination came into play. It's not a matter of how long you hold the ball. It's what you do with the ball. They had 20 shots on goal with 10 of them on target.
1: Philly, quick question for you. What is my motto in life?
0: Get rich, get rich fast? No, Wayne Gretzky. Ah, You miss 100% of the shots you don't take.
1: That's right, and I have been screaming from all the way up in Founders, so that's why they didn't hear me, but I have been screaming since game one of our inaugural season, shoot the ball. And (laughs) what we have been seeing this season from LAFC is they are doing exactly that. Philly, 20 shots in the game and 10 of them on goal. For LAFC.
0: Quite the conversion rate they had. And again, they could have won by a bigger score than 5 to nothing. San Jose wins in the offsides category with 3 to LAFC 0.
1: You know, I have a quick thought on that, by the way, if you don't mind. Butts
0: of cost. Butts of cost,
1: man. Eddie Segura coming into our back line. You know, when you start to rack up the offside calls against the other team, I want to make sure that I'm being correct there with my soccer vernacular. When you start to rack up offside calls against the other team. That means your back line is playing as one. They're holding their line. They're staying forward. They're moving up. And that's what we saw in the San Jose game. Three times San Jose whistled offside. And I believe that has a lot to do with the emergence of Eddie Segura, with the leadership of Walker Zimmerman. And of course, we have veterans back there in Harvey and Betashore. It's just so much fun to watch our backline play. Last year, Philly, you and I talked about over and over and over again how we were giving up goals after the 75th or the 80th minute, and this season we're scoring goals in that time rather than giving them up.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a better situation to be a part of. Our back line is fantastic. Eddie Segura is only on loan to us, but I think he's made a case to really be an individual that deserves a full-time contract on the LAFC roster. He has made such a difference. He made the difference in the Vissal Kobe game. He made his presence known right then and there. And as the season has gone on, he has become a staple there. We absolutely love Eddie Segura in that back line.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, what we had coming into the season was the hope, the optimism of, again, contending for a Western Conference title. I think what we're looking at now, if you look at the top of the Western Conference, of course, we've played one more game than the Sounders, so we're up 13-10 to 10 in terms of overall points, but of course, we have a game up on them 5-4. to four. But for the rest of the season, I think the expectation has to be that LAFC not only contends for a division crown, not only contends for the MLS Cup, but they try to bring home a Supporters shield as well. We are seeing a team that is clicking on all cylinders. Again, despite missing Lee Wynn, despite missing Andre Horta, that crisp passing that we usually get from them from box to box we were able to put up five goals again look san jose is not that good they're not going to be contending for the supporter's shield they might be contending for the trash can lid by the end of the season <laughs> but it's the one Oscar of those the things <laughs> it's one of those things that i think lafc has to win these games and win these games big to pick up three points and again look this is three points on the road i don't care where we're playing i don't care how good the team is to pick up three points on the road like we did early on in the season last year is huge, and we have to keep this momentum going through all, I believe, what, 34 games of the regular season. 17 of those are going to be on the road, and the more points we can pick up on the road, I don't care if it's a bad team or a good team, picking up three points on the road is huge.
0: And speaking of on the road, next week's game is really going to be a test of how good we really are. We have DC United, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, going up against LAFC, one of the best teams in the Western Conference. We have... Carlos Vela, we have Wayne Rooney, who scored an unbelievable goal, by the way. That is going to be a match worth seeing, but we'll be talking about that next week. I just want to finish off this game real quick. Not only did we win on the field, we won in the stands. The thirty-two fifty-two was fantastic. The only earthquake that occurred in San Jose was called Carlos Vela, and he registered a hat trick on the Richter scale. Carlos Vela registers his first MLS hat trick. Stephen Betashore registers his first goal of the season. Rossi stamps an exclamation point on LAFC's statement. Mark Anthony K. outstanding passing. And Edward Atuesta continues to be a beast in the midfield. Again, a likely candidate for the most improved player. We talked about the pillage in Smurf Village. If you remember that cartoon... LAFC was Gargamel. They turned the earthquakes into Smurf stew. And at one point, the fans, they stopped focusing on the game. They stopped focusing on the butt kicking that we were giving them. They were focusing very much on what was going on in the stands. And we're going to segue into our wait. What? Segment of the show. San Jose has some very salty ultras. We saw from social media a couple of banners one that said, Mike D. No, I think it was Mike. Yeah, I'm going to say it's Mike D. I love the Beastie Boys. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, you can't bring the Beastie Boys into this. We like the Beastie Boys. He's we Mike don't like D San Jose. And he
1: gets respect.
0: No doubt. But we had a banner that said, Mike Stans, paid trips, I wish, fan base created by focus groups. Really funny considering that they're in Silicon Valley. And then a second banner that read, Goats in Sheep's Clothing. Schmitty McMitton said it right there, (laughs) if you heard him. The fifth co-host made his presence felt. But what was probably worse than these stupid statements was the fact that they were written on crappy, generic, store-brand toilet paper. San Jose Ultras, do yourself a favor next time. Use Charmin. Not the store brand. Your TPO, I'm sorry, your TPO was terrible. Take your stupid banners. Wipe yourselves with them because LAFC pooped really badly on you, and that is our (laughs) wait what what? (laughs) moment of the show.
1: (laughs) Yeah, those were pretty sad. Though, can you even call those tifos? If no TPO, honestly, I think they have to be at uh, least two ply. They're going to be. That would be an A. That that was it was awful. I think that it made it look really bad later on in the game too. When you put those kind of tifos up, or I don't know banners, they look like they'd be flown from like the those little prop planes when they fly over the beach and they want to like give a message, like you know now playing at the Hermosa Beach Country Club and and Fieldhouse is I don't know Sammy Hagar, but I think those those tifos it just made the San Jose Ultras. I guess we can call it a fan section. It sat at least sixty. And I think there were two or three flags. I don't know. It, it looked like there were people there. I didn't hear them. There
0: were eighteen thousand of them, but they I were dominated by eleven 1, hundred. It, it
1: was incredible. And what we've seen is the supporter sections from the opposing teams really giving a lot of respect to the thirty-two fifty-two. You know, we've got the team from down the road, Carson, now copying a certain cheer of ours. Uh, I believe it's. Jump for Carson Galaxy, Olay, Olay is what they're chanting. Your lane. I don't know. Your lane.
0: Yeah. Jump from Carson Galaxy, your lane. You're lame. Sorry.
1: So, you know, it's one of those <laughs> things where we start to see teams not only embracing supporter culture more because of what LAFC is doing, but learning how to support their own teams. LAFC has been around for what? 18 months as a cup a squad, of coffee, if anything. And we're the ones that have to teach most of the MLS about how to support their clubs on the road, at home, through cheers, through noise, through instruments, through their energy, and through the community. And I think it's kind of sad that the rest of the MLS really has to take cues from a team that's been around about, what, 18 months or so. And that just shows you, again, the amazing things that LAFC is doing both with Rich and with everybody involved in the 3252. Of course, Jimmy, our fantastic president this year, Joseph last year, and everyone who has done so much to build that 3252. Those aren't focus groups that are building the 3252. Those are focused fans that are building the 3252. It's absolutely incredible to see neighborhood by neighborhood, street by street, block by block, shoulder to shoulder, the building of the 3252.
0: I saw this on Twitter, but shout out to at Kirk Kinsey. He said, somebody should recommend that the Quakes create a focus group on how to play better. They should also create a focus group on how to create better banners. What a bunch of salty fans. When I saw that, oh, well, your team has uh, paid paid trips for the fans. Why would you even hate on that if that was a reality? You're just a bunch of jealous haters. Now we're winning on the pitch. We're winning in the stands, but this club goes beyond what the product is on the pitch. And what I mean by that, I'm going to highlight in our next segment.
1: Yeah, real quick, just a a quick shout-out to those that are listening from the front office of LAFC. If you would like to pay Philly and the Scarf to go to any of the games that are away, we would be more than happy to be paid supporters. That being said, though, I think you've got a little bit of exciting news regarding the next away game there, Philly. Were we supposed to talk about that yet in our podcast?
0: We could talk about the next away game. Again, we're ta- We're playing D.C. United next week in our nation's capital at beautiful Audi Fields. I don't know how many people are going to end up going to that game. I am going to try. I am departing L.A. and going to New York on Friday on family business. I'm going to try to make it to D.C.
1: Look, you know I bring the nerd, so I'm going to quote Yoda right here. Do or do <laughs> not, surreal. there is no try. Get to that game. Look, Philly. Let's talk here for a quick second nobody else is listening it's just you and i here ready okay wayne rooney wayne rooney luciano acosta diego rossi carlos vela tyler miller what more do you need to get yourself out to audi field in our nation's capital washington dc get to the game already.
0: Okay, I will. I will. But for those people out there that can't make it out to the game, there is a wonderful watch party that's going to be happening once again at the Slide Bar in Fullerton. And I want to talk about that real quick. We're going to move on to our next segment. LAFC has taken Los Angeles by storm. But LAFC unlike its neighbors, is spreading its wings. Our golden wings made its way down to Orange County. Orange County by way of Fullerton at the Slide Bar. Now, Panda and I were in attendance as well as some of our friends that sit in the Founders Club. It was packed. Slide Bar in downtown Fullerton next to the train station. Very easy commute if you're coming in from LA and you don't want to drive. Mike Silzer from Troy Girl Soccer invited us. And together with WSS, CDA Slammers, KG Customs, Cracked FC, LAFC Slammers, and one other organization I want to highlight, which is Flock, threw a tremendous, tremendous party. As much as the focus was to bring LAFC to Orange County, a lot of the focus really was on Flock. Now Flock stands for Fullerton's Love of Orange County. Kids. That was the main reason this was set up. The party was tertiary. But yet again, our efforts with this club go back to the community. Now, Flock is a not-for-profit organization. Their mission is to end the cycle of children's homelessness in Orange County. Flock creates scholarships programs that saves kids from financial worries and allows them to be kids. And we had a few of those kids in attendance at this watch party and there were scholarships donated so some of these kids could actually like pay for college and further enhance their lives. Flock supports children who are identified as homeless through the McKinney-Vento Act. These kids lack regular and adequate nighttime residences. That can have a huge impact on their ability to learn and succeed in the academic and their personal environments. So, Flock got put together three years ago and it continues to grow and to grow. If you want more information, check out the website www.flock.gives. Yes, www.flock.gives if you want more information. What a heck of a turnout it was in Orange County! LAFC successfully successfully positions itself in another pocket of the area. Now, Slide Bar was such a smashing success that if you go on the LAFC website, in the Bar Partners section, you will see Slide Bar there. If you happen to be as old as the Scarf and I, and you happen to remember a band called Lit, yeah, those guys own that bar. Go to the watch party. Go listen to the bands that play there. It is an amazing, amazing atmosphere.
1: Absolutely. You know, there was a concert that I remember seeing back when I was much younger. I believe it was Voodoo Glow Skulls and Meat Beat Manifesto and a couple of the great punk rock bands out there played at the Slide Bar in Fullerton. My good friends Dear Boy have played there a couple of times as... The Manatee Band as Scarlet Gray and as Dear Boy, so a shout-out to my buddy Ben of those three bands out there. Slide Bar, if you don't follow them on Instagram, it's at SlideBar, so it's not that hard to remember what their Instagram handle is. It's a great venue, a great location, and a shout-out again to Fullerton getting an official watch party We've seen some supporters groups pop up in Fullerton. We saw one in the 661 in Bakersfield. The D9U have had a supporters group now pop up in Bakersfield, 661. In Atlanta, that's right, the dirty, dirty there in the South, D9U has had a supporters group pop up in Atlanta as well. And I hear, by the way, that you guys are making a scarf. So I got to talk to you guys there in the D9U Atlanta supporters group. So uh, again, seeing, like you mentioned, the LAFC fan base branching out further and further between Fullerton, Bakersfield, and even Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Amazing. Now, one thing I also want to mention about the watch party is There were so many LAFC fans that were there. Now, Slide Bar not only serves alcohol, but it serves food. There was such a ruckus crowd that the kitchen was so overwhelmed. But Mike, Troy Girl Soccer, and all the sponsors there, they ended up setting up a situation where the people who couldn't get their food got free tacos. Who doesn't love free tacos? Free tacos, a 5-0 game, an amazing bar, easily accessible via train so you don't have to worry about driving. I highly recommend going down there for that next watch party. If you are in or around the Orange County area, I highly recommend that you go to the slide bar.
1: Wasn't there a Rush cover band after the game as well?
0: At 3.30, but I couldn't stick around because the Panda and I went to the Dodger game where they threw a 18-5 thrashing of the Arizona D-Bags. I'm sorry, D-backs. Ooh, sorry about that.
1: No Paul Goldschmidt kicking them while they're down. Ouch. Yeah, turns out Dodgers are really good this year. They've put up a couple double-digit scores, look really good there. But this is not a Dodgers podcast. This is certainly an LAFC podcast and one of the great developments that we have seen over the last couple of weeks. If you are not following At This One Time in LA, Philly, why don't you tell us about a new prospective supporters group that will be surfacing in the black and gold?
0: Here's the interesting thing about being part of a podcast. You meet a lot of really, really cool people. And Scarf and I, we uh, were getting ready to walk into the fields for the Portland Timbers game. Now, there was a gentleman by the name of David. His handle is this one time in L.A. He saw Scarf's jersey, and then right after that, he saw mine. And we just started chatting. And just like that, he had a really, really interesting notion. He, being a former Marine, Zemper we appreciate your service, bud. He asked us how he could go about or who he needed to speak to as far as starting a supporters group. Now, of course, we mentioned that he needed to talk to Jimmy and that he needed to talk to Rich. But just the magic that occurs within LAFC, just like that, Rich happened to walk by. And he mentioned that to him. Fabulous ideas. So this one time in LA, David and his friend Sway, J. Concepcion 83 as well as the Panda, these people are military veterans. They want to create a veterans supporters group within the 3252. There is meetings, there is conversations going on, but I think that is such a fantastic thing to do. What better way to support our veterans than by having a veterans supporters group within the 3252? The beautiful thing about being in the military is that bond that you create with your fellow servicemen. And if we create a service group within the 3252 that is dedicated to veterans, we What better way than for people to connect than having that and LAFC? It's just a fantastic idea. It is in the works. We're actually going to have David and Sway on the show at some point to talk about this once this gets further along. But keep an eye out. If you're a veteran out
1: there that's listening to this podcast, there might be a supporters group for you. Of course, we have the nine official supporters groups in the 3052. We have a ton of other great supporters groups that also sit out in that section. If you have served... And it's something that I am certainly looking forward to seeing out in the stands, you know, as someone who was not able to serve because of medical history that unfortunately would preclude me from even signing up to be in any of our armed forces. It was one of those things where I have always looked at our military personnel and those people serving or who have served as being of just a different cut and of the highest order, and I thank all of them for their service.
0: I completely agree. I'm in awe of my wife, not only because she is a talented nurse, not only because she is a beautiful woman, but I am in awe of the fact that she put her life on the line, signed on that dotted line to represent the United States Army and basically protect our rights. I am so in awe of all of our service members. I am so happy that this is an idea. And however we can help you, David, Sway, Panda, let us know. Scarf and I here at Defenders of the Bank are more than happy to give you anything you need. Scarf, one thing that I'm sure is on our
1: audience's mind, because it certainly is on my mind, brother, how was Peru? Well, you know, I have to say, while I was in Peru, episode 14... Featuring Panda and Scarfette has quickly become our most listened to (laughs) podcast episode of the 14 that we've done, so I'm really glad you still let me sit next to you and record this podcast, and I haven't been replaced Dude, I'm glad I didn't get replaced. Well, you were here. I wasn't here. I know, but I still feel like I I could be replaced. Now I know what Drew Bledsoe feels like. He got hurt for one game, and Tom Brady comes in, and all of a sudden, 20 years later, nobody knows who Drew Bledsoe is. Dude, since
0: we've recorded this episode, there's like they've got another 10 listens on their show. Yeah, whatever.
1: All right, great. Yeah, you know, Peru was beautiful. There's nothing like being in the Sacred Valley, traveling on that train down to Machu Picchu, the Andes Mountains on both sides of you. Look, I've read about the Andes and National Geographic. I teach for a living, but it was awe-inspiring to be in the middle of the Cusco Valley, to be there at Machu Picchu, at Sacsayhuaman, and at several other of the Incan sites that we have in the Sacred Valley, and we only got to see about a third of everything that was going on. You know, if you would have told me as a teacher, in the last 18 to 20 months or so, I have been to Boston, Memphis, Washington, D.C., the Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, and now Peru, and with a couple layovers in Panama as well. If you would have told me about any of that, if I would have gotten started as a teacher, and I would have been to be able to go to all of those places All expenses paid by the fantastic school that I work for it has been a humbling experience. But what is even more humbling to me is watching my middle schoolers reactions as they're on these trips, seeing those people opening their eyes to things going on in the world that, you know, look, they would probably not leave certain bubbles out there and they definitely wouldn't see some of the things that we've seen in Nicaragua and Peru over the last couple of years. It's been a humbling experience to be able to travel if you have not been able to take that train, to go inside the Sacred Valley, to Cusco, to Calca, to Ollantaytambo, to Urubamba, to all these great cities in Peru, please look, the next vacation you have, you will not be disappointed to step on the Inca Trail, to do the four-day hike, to be a part of that incredible atmosphere out there. Peru was just absolutely wonderful But I know the next thing that we want to talk about is something a little closer and more important and near and dear to our LAFC hearts. The first official Defenders of the Bank tailgate happening April 21st for our home game against the Seattle Sounders.
0: I've got a lot to say about that, but one question that I still have on my mind pertaining towards your trip to Peru.
1: Yeah. Did you buy any more scarves? So here's the thing. I did not buy any scarves while I was in Peru. Well, here's why. Lima, which is easily the most populous and largest city of Peru, we spent a good amount of time in Lima, but we weren't able to do a lot of souvenir shopping and sightseeing. We were more spending time driving in and around some of the neighborhoods, looking at some of the Incan sites. It's incredible that in Lima you could have apartment complexes and and these mud housing units and everything that are there. And then across the street, you could have a five or 600 year old Incan temple that's a historical landmark. So we were looking at more of those things. The one thing I did get to see, I know a couple of my friends on Instagram were talking to me about it. The 2-0 2-0 win by El Salvador over Peru. I was actually watching that game with our Look, tour these director. Stats are unreal. It was unreal. 20 shots on goal for Peru, one singular shot on goal for El Salvador. Peru dominated possession, something like 85% to 15. It was ridiculous. They controlled the entire game, but because I'll use my favorite term today again, a howler of an own goal by Peru, one of their defensemen literally just redirecting the ball into the back of his own net. And then a lazy, lazy defensive play in the 93rd minute for Peru to go down 2-0. But it was really neat to be able to watch that game with a couple of Peruvian fans there inside one of the restaurants that we were watching at. Lost the game 2-0. That was about the closest that I got to buying a scarf. In fact, I didn't really see many scarves in the stands, but not a lot of time for me to go shopping for a scarf.
0: Well, I'm bummed, because if you didn't get a scarf... That means I didn't get a scarf and I wanted a Peruvian
1: scarf. I brought home a blanket made from alpaca for my mom. Does that count?
0: That counts. Okay. But either way, we're so happy to have you back. And by
1: the way, shout out to my mom. Why not?
0: Hey, Mama Scarf. We love you. Papa Scarf, too. Woo. Can't forget about Papa Scarf. Now, let's go. Can I just
1: say, hold on, can I just say how cute it is that your mom comments on our Facebook and our Instagram quite a bit, too?
0: I love my mom. She does comment an awful lot. She has a lot of cute posts.
1: What's her Instagram handle if anybody wants to follow your mom on Instagram?
0: Kiryakula58. Good go. luck trying to spell that.
1: Follow Philly's mom on Instagram.
0: My mom needs more followers. If you're into the Zen Buddhist hippie stuff, my mom <laughs> is going to be the perfect person <laughs> for you to follow. I love you, mom, but some of the posts that you put up there, they're, they're way over my head. My- I don't have alien's blood, and I'm just going <laughs> to leave it at that.
1: Yeah, my mom loves Bob Marley more than almost anything else. It's pretty incredible some of the uh, some of the ties that our moms have.
0: Absolutely. Now, let's tie into our final segment of the show. I told you we had a lot to talk about. You guys demanded longer shows. I know people have been talking podcasts should be about 45 minutes, but we're going to give the fans what they want. You want a longer episode because you're stuck in traffic, we're giving you a longer episode. And we're also going to give you something to look forward to as well. On April the 21st, the game against Seattle. Yes, I know it happens to fall on Easter Sunday. But that game, Defenders of the Bank are going to make history. History in the sense that we will be participating in the tailgates on Christmas Tree Lane. We spent money. We got a 10 by 10 canopy with our logo on it. We will have merchandise ranging from pins, ranging from stickers, Ranging from Defenders of the Bank Scarve. But in addition to all that, we have partnered up with Riley's Brewing Company. Thanks to Amanda McNook, Ken the Falconer's daughter, who represents Riley's Brewing Company, we will be handing out for free. Yeah, free. Capital F-R-E-E. Free. Free. Defenders of the Bank Honey Blonde Ale, as well as Wing Solutions Hard Lemonade with Ken and Ali on the label. Come hang out at our tent. Come hang out with Philly and the Scarf. We will be giving you free beers. Check out the merchandise. I'm not kidding you. The beer is free. Get it while supplies last. We'll be setting up around 10 a.m. We'll be there till about 2, 2.30 a.m. I'm sorry. 2- Whoa. <laughs> I got to go to PM. bed at
1: some point. Come on. The
0: party never stops when you're with Defenders of the Bank.
1: But Unless yes, I fall asleep.
0: We're, we're going to have a limited amount of beer, so come hang out with us. Get there early. We want to shower Christmas tree lane with Riley's beer. I had a few bottles of this Honey Blonde Ale myself. And you follow us on Instagram. You know Scarf and I dedicated our LLC signing with the Honey Blonde Ale. We're going to be putting the flyer on social media. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Defenders of the Bank. And on Twitter at
1: Defend the Bank.
0: Look, this is going to be our first party. We're going to have a DJ. We're going to be hanging out with Gary Gold, El Catrin Muerto, LAFC Soccer Head, a bunch of people. So... If you don't want to buy our merch, I don't care, but at least come get some free beer. Please, we want to give you
1: free Defenders of the Bank beer. Come hang out with Philly in the Scarf. That's right. We'll have stickers, scarves, pins, beer, Gary Gold, El Katrine, LAFC head. What more do you want? I, I mean, we'll be there. Panda's going to be there. I think Scarfette will be there. Scarfette's definitely going to be there. But what about Schmitty McMittens? Well, that's kind of up to you. I don't know if you want to... It's also kind of up around. to him,
0: too. Schmidt McMittens, he doesn't have a ticket to the game. Maybe we should start a GoFundMe, hashtag, bring Schmitty to the bank. And that about wraps it up. But, of course, I wanted to give a shout-out to the rest of the podcast family FCFC, go check them out. Heart of LAFC, Somos LAFC, the OGs of the podcast family. Shoulder to shoulder, check out our buddies Pablo and Luis at Dolly Black and Gold. Inside LAFC with Vince and Max Brados. And also the new Inside the Locker Room with Walker Zimmerman. But also be sure to check out our friends on social media. LAFC Universe, LAFC Central, LAFC Highlights, and of course, this week in MLS on Instagram.
1: Yeah, real quick, I just want to give a a quick shout out and congratulations to Jonathan Reimer, now a full time member co host of the shoulder to shoulder podcast. One of the nicest guys you'll meet, of course, the amazing story with him and Mandy have been out there on social media and in the stands at 3252. So a big congratulations to him. As a permanent co-host of the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast, I know Chris was in Paris over the last week or so while I was in Peru, and Jonathan filling in nicely there, but it's no longer a fill-in role. He's official out there, the ultra gringo, Jonathan Reimer. Congratulations, buddy.
0: Yeah, he adds a lot of flair, a lot of LAFC knowledge, and a lot of that D9U influence onto their podcast. We're so happy to have you part of the LAFC podcast fam. And and that about wraps it up, Scarfy. You got any last words you want to say?
1: Yeah, you know, again, I missed everybody over the last 10 days. It was really tough to be out and not be around for both the win that we had against Real Salt Lake, of course, that winner coming on the first goal not off of a set piece in Walker Zimmerman's career and in the five, 0 thrashing of San Jose. I'm glad to be back. Look, I'm not complaining. I spent a fantastic 10 day trip in Peru, but it was hard to be away from the LAFC family for those 10 days. Uh, another quick LAFC thing that happened while I was gone, the 2019 set of tops MLS cards came out, of course, featuring 13 LAFC players, the first cards of Latif Blessing, Edward Atuesta, Adama Diamande—I believe also the first cards of Stephen Betashore, if I remember correctly—in an LAFC uniform. Just really cool set there. So if you're uh, looking for soccer cards for LAFC, the 2019 set of tops just came out. That was done while I was in Peru as well. So look, I missed everybody out here in the LAFC podcast family, and again. We are the podcast for the people. We love being here for you here at Defenders of the Bank. I'm going to throw it back to Philly to take us away for the end of episode 15.
0: I'm going to correct you on one thing. You were with us. That game against Real Salt Lake, while we were getting ready to watch the game, your video, the one that LAFC put out, was Featured on the Jumbotron, my friend. <laughs> so we got to see you before kickoff, but you were represented all over the stadium. You want to know why? That golazo scarf was a heavy favorite item to be shown. Anytime yeah. we walk by a golazo person, Panda <laughs> pulled out her golazo. You were part of that game you'll always be part of this look it's defenders of the bank with philly in the scarf first and foremost you're always going to be with us buddy i'm so happy that you're back i'm so happy the band is back together and i look forward to continuing this podcast with my partner in pod the scarf now we're going to close this the way we always do on the count of three one two three bye-bye, bye-bye.